All right, back to podcast. Hope everyone has had a good day in the Lord. Thank you for praying for me and my family. Uh, and uh, at the time of, not the time of the recording, I recorded these early, but the time of your listening, uh, we are in Florida. And I'm thankful for your prayers. And we just pray that God give us a good week of rest. And, um, be back to you on Sunday. I'm excited. I can't wait to see you. And uh, I appreciate all of your prayers. And then I'm looking forward to uh, being back in person Bible study by the end of the month. And I have enjoyed this study. Uh, we're in part two of Hezekiah. I knew it would be a good study. And uh, and uh, it, it's a great subject matter. And I am, uh, I'm, I've, I've enjoyed it greatly, greatly so far. And uh, I guess it will always have a special place in my heart um, just because it was the text that was used, the message that was used when God called me to preach. And as I said last week, um, I, believe it or not, I've really never preached through these chapters or through his life. I've uh, preached about him. I've got different messages about Hezekiah and hit on it here and there. Uh, but just as last Sunday's message spawned this study, um, I think this this Hezekiah study may spawn a look at some of the the good kings and the bad kings that Israel had. And so, because uh, because my heart is really uh, went to. Uh, a little boy, a little boy was was king once by the name of Josiah, and my heart has really went to Josiah in this study. So anyway, anyway, we we got to stay on task with Second Kings eighteen. Let's start in verse number eight. Second Kings eighteen and verse number eight. Uh, the Bible said here. Now we we went into we run of course the the Second Chronicles. Uh, cross-reference, uh, we may do that again today, Second Chronicles 29, in fact, is, is the cross-reference. And so that, that's uh, what you see in Second Kings uh, is, is all the cross-references are found in Second Chronicles 20, or in Second Chronicles, um, just like you kind of do the Gospels, and you'll see some variances in the verses, uh, but, but the same accounts and the same stories backing one another up. So, verse 8, he smote the Philistines even into Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Eli, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, so there's an Assyrian king, uh, not Sennacherib, this is a different one that comes against them, uh, came up against Samaria and besieged it, and at the end of three years they took it, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah. That is the ninth year of Hoshea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. The king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria and put them in Halah and in Habor by the river Gozan and in the cities of Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant. And all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, 
would not hear them nor do them. So, Hezekiah. Hezekiah has begun to lead a revival um, back to God for the people of Judah. Of course, at this time, Israel has split into a uh, north and a south through, through civil war, through uh, being divided. And I'm going to stop right there and teach just for a moment um, because these have to tie in where we are. They have to tie into where we're living. And I, w- I want to say something the, of what, what's going on in our society. That, that, this is why I'm teaching on these. And it's an element of division. And I, I am I'm at a place where, where 25 years ago I didn't think I would be. But that's being the old preacher saying I never saw a day. But I, that's where I'm at now. 40, I'm, I'll be 48 in like two days. Tuesday I'll be 48. And I'll say it. July the 12th, or I was born July the 12th, 1974. I was saved July 19th, a week later, 20 years later, a week and 20 years later, uh, July the 19th, 1994. So God made it easy for me, okay, to remember. Not that you can forget being saved. If you've been saved, you'll remember where you were. One birth you can't remember, and another birth you can't forget. Now, I've never seen a time where division has been sown throughout our society in every area. And I want you to understand that it is by design. You see, the media, um, powers that be, people that have agendas that are greater than us, World Economic Forum, uh, folks like that, they have an agenda for division. And so what they want to do, what their objective is, is to to divide us in, in just about every way possible. They do so on the front of race. They do so on the front of... The LGBTQ and straight, they do so on the basis of political parties. They do so on the basis of um, not even down to not only political parties, but where we are in those political parties. It is a seed of division. Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. Then the division creeps into the churches. Okay? Division is of the devil. Confusion is of the devil. I can promise you where where division takes place. Now, there's elements that that aren't to be ecumenicalized, in other words, brought together. You know, we're not to bring be brought under the umbrella of a one world religion. You know, I remember that after nine one one. You know, you had a uh, had a panel of the, the religions of the world. Well, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But I'm talking about 
the efforts of division that are permeated in our society that the fact of the matter is isn't really there to the degree that they portray it. From race, I listen, I, I, I never have any kind of racial interaction in, to a negative degree. And I, I know people say, well, that's you. You, you know, it's just you. you you're this. No, I'm not. Most people I know don't have that. But to hear our media, it's a, it's a great, great, greater problem than what we see or what, what we experience. Now, is it there? Sure it is. There, I, I, on both sides, every side of the coin, all the races, I, I have at times encountered it and seen it, but on a day-to-day basis, as far as I'm concerned, negativity towards anybody else, I can't think of anybody I look down on and I can't think of anybody that I hate. And I'm responsible for me. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. The media wants to portray if we get up and, and preach about, you know, uh, Romans 1 or Sodom and Gomorrah, where they, he hates gay people. I can't think of one I do. I, 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 in fact, I do business with with folks that are. I, I, I don't hate gay people. I, I can't think of one I hate. But it behooves the media and the powers to be to drive and push that agenda. Now, why would that be? Because if they can stir up enough hate, anger, and strife, then what their hope is, is it does stir up anger. And you see these outbreaks of violence because they always want something stirred up. Because if something's always stirred up, then guess what? You're always going to look to the government to be your help. You no longer look to God for that because they have made every attempt at taking God out of the picture, be it the public schools, be it out of any facet of life. And that is the agenda in taking God out. And ultimately what it leads to is division. And there is where we see the nation of Israel in this account. They are divided between north and south and they're divided over the fact of, of the adoption of the idols that started with the northern kings and permeated into the southern kings. And now you've got a land full of idolatry. You've got a land where the churches are closed. You've got a land where God is not worshipped and God is not loved and God is not respected and God is not adored. That's the land you've got. And it is divided into two separate nations in the context of what we're talking about. Now having said that, therein is the objective and the agenda of the devil. He desires to do the same thing with the United States. He desires to do the same thing with with the world, with you and I, is division. Well, I've got to be the one, and I know some other preachers do, to teach and preach on the truths of the Word of God and the fact that we need more of God because when you've got a society, you've got a young man out there on the streets, you've got a young man and he's got a broken home, a divided home, 
You've got a young man without a father in his life or a father figure in his life or a young woman without a father figure or a father, or a father in her life or, or a mother. You, you've got these divided homes and divided situations. At one time, as bad as that is and as, as, as ungodly as it is and wicked as it is, at one time that child had access and exposure to God through a godly teacher, through a, a godly coach, through, through a godly mentor, through a godly man down at the YMCA. Listen to me now. But the more they take God out and away from society, and the more they, they push Him to the back, that is the agenda then that leaves a young man, that leaves a young woman, that leaves a generation hopeless. And when they're hopeless, they turn to violence, they turn to hate, they turn to anything other than a family unit because they don't know it and they don't have it, so they seek to replace it with anything the world can offer. That's where we're at. And it started with removing God. And that's where Israel was. And so when Hezekiah come in and Hezekiah took reign, he began to open up the doors of the house of God. He dealt with the churches. He dealt with the men of God. He dealt with the priests. He dealt with the Levites. And he said, the only way we're going to have revival is to collectively worship and get back to God. Now, now, when that happens... Immediately, look in verse 8, the devil fights. Now, you, you can mark that down. When Bethany Baptist Church started, it started with excitement. It started with, with hope. It started with, with plans, dreams. And we still have all of that. But immediately, the devil, within a year, the devil started fighting. In fact, it was right after the big baptism we had. The devil started fighting. And he has continued to fight and, and sow seeds of division and make efforts of division. And that's what he's doing in every single church. And so, notice that's the text. Hezekiah opens up the doors to the house of God. Hezekiah comes in. And when he comes in, he, he establishes worship. He establishes truth. He establishes God back in everything. And immediately, verses 8 through 12, the Philistines, even unto, he smote the Philistines even unto Gaza, the borders thereof, from the Tower of the Watchmen to the Fence City. A fight begins to arise because he's attempting to take land back. He's attempting to take ground back that they give up in their division. That's why we face the fight that we do, church. is because we are trying to take back land that we have given up. We're trying to take back ground that has been given up. And because of that, we're going to have a fight. But look, verse 8, He smote the Philistines even to Gaza and the borders thereof from the tower of the watchmen to the fence city. So he's winning this fight. So we drop down to verse 11. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria, put them in Halah and in Habor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of Medes, of the Medes. 
because they obeyed not the voice of their Lord their God, but transgressed His covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and would not hear them nor do them. So they refused to obey the Word of God. Now watch verse 13. Here's, here's, what I'm talk- here's where I was preaching about Sunday. Hezekiah wants to do that which is right. Hezekiah wants revival in the land. And immediately all you see is fight after fight after fight after fight. It's one nation after another. And any time the people of God make up their minds they want to do what's right, they want to restore what's lost, they want to gain ground that's lost, you're going to see fights on every front. Now, verse 13. Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib king of Assyria come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and he took them. Now this is Judah. This is God's people. And Hezekiah king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish saying, I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah king of Judah three hundred talents of silver, thirty talents of gold, And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. He's trying to make a deal. At that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord from the pillars which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid, gave it to the king of Assyria. This is a bad move. He's wanting to do right, but what's he doing? He's compromising. I, I don't make this stuff up. When a preacher preaches and teaches against compromise, it's because it's in the Bible. Hezekiah had made gains. Hezekiah had defeated enemies. Hezekiah had gotten ground back that they had given up. And now what's he do? He starts compromising. He starts compromising with Sennacherib because he doesn't think he can beat him. So what does he do? He begins to trade off silver and gold, takes the gold off the house of God and gives it to him. Can I tell you, that's what happens a lot of times. That's why, I look, I'm preaching harder now than I was before the devil was fighting. Why? The reason I'm doing so is because when, when the devil fights... He pushes and he manipulates and he puts pressure on preachers and, and, and Bible students and he puts pressure on Christians to start compromising and giving up ground that you've gained. That's the wrong time to compromise. That's the wrong time to back, back up your message. Back, back up on your message. Preacher Washington, if you listen to me, Preacher Chris Messina, if, you, if y'all listen to these podcasts, when the devil's fighting you, that's the wrong time to back up on your standard. It's the wrong time to back up on what you believe and preach. That's the wrong time to give up ground. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when the fight come his way, he began to compromise. That's the wrong thing to do. Verse 17, The king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabarus and Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. They went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they would come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the Fuller's Field. When they had talked about the conduits the other day. And when they had called to the king, there came out of the Elkim, the son of Helikiah, which was over the household of Shebna, the scribe, 
And Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, Rabshakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king of the king of Assyria, What confidence is there wherein thou there trustest? Thou sayest, They are not vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom did thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou that thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, of which a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt. But if, but if ye say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away, and said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before the altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore I pray thee, give pledges to my Lord the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? You see that trust on Egypt. Egypt is the world, church. We never trust in anything the world can do. Don't adopt their measures. Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Elkim, the son of Hillai, and Shebna, and Joah, unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language. Just stay with me. For we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. For Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master? And to thee to speak these words, hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? It's a Bible word. Don't get offended. It's a Bible word. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, king of Assyria. Thus said the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make, make you trust in the Lord. You see, the world at this point are more fortified against trusting God than Hezekiah is for standing for God at this point. He's trying to compromise. And so as he tries to make this compromise, the world said, hold on a minute. We're not compromising with him. We don't trust him. He's going to try to shove God down our throats. So good. Thus, thus said the king, Let not Hezekiah, verse 29, deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and the city shall not be delivered into the hand of king of Syria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus said the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by present. Come out to me, and then every, eat every man of his own vine, every one of his fig tree, and drink every one the waters of cistern. Till I come and take you away to a land like your own land, land of corn and wine, land of bread and vineyards, land of olive oil and honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. If any of the gods, by the way, who's he trying to get now? He's, he's actually talking to the people as well. Hezekiah's people. He's saying, he's trying to undercut the authority of Hezekiah. Hezekiah went with a pure heart. It was not a good decision, but he wanted to make some kind of compromise. you got to remember, 
He's doing that which is in the sight of the Lord, but he is, he is a politician, basically. He is a government representative. And so he goes on the basis of compromise, and it doesn't work. And it doesn't work because the response here from the king of Assyria is, look, he's going to try to push God on you. He's going to try to make you follow after God. He's going to try to make you worship God. And so don't trust him. Don't let him proclaim God to you. Make no league with him. Don't listen to him any further. So we, although Hezekiah made a, made a poor choice early on, at least he's standing his ground in the fact that his ultimate goal is to make sure and to proclaim the word of God. Now help us to remember that. That speaks of the character of Hezekiah. It speaks of the Christian godliness. or the, I don't want to say Christian because he wasn't a Christian. They were Jews. And they were following the God of Israel at the time. No such thing even as a Christian. In the Old Testament, Christians come along after Christ where the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That's another message for another day. However, he does follow the one soul, long God of the heavens and the God of Israel. And the, and the king of Assyria is now trying to undercut the authority of Hezekiah. Now, let me say there, that's another tool of division. That's another way the devil seeks to divide. As he seeks to cause division among the people because he seeks, he seeks to do it among, between the leaders and the people. To undercut them. I'm telling you, I have never... I've never seen a day where people lack the respect towards men of God. And a lot of times it's, it's well, the disrespect is well earned. A lot of times they shouldn't be respected. But everybody ain't like that. Everybody's not a crook, liar, cheat. Everybody's not out just to take your money. Some folks want to serve the living and the true God. And what he's trying to do here is he's trying to wipe away the credibility that Hezekiah has and has with the people and is beginning to get through the land. Now, Hezekiah made a pro had a problem already because he didn't trust God in going in and fighting the Assyrian army right away because he was outnumbered. So that's when he started compromising a little bit. But now... The true character of Hezekiah is coming through. He's wanting to proclaim God. He's wanting to, to establish the God of heaven. He knows that's the only way Israel is going to no longer be a separate nation and be back formed together. And he knows that's the only way Israel is going to have their, their past glory back is, is for everyone to follow God or at least to proclaim God. Just like you and I, that's that's what's so heartrending to us is we know the only way we get any former glory or lost glory back is this is if somehow God can have a prominent place back in our society. And the king of Assyria is telling them, Don't listen to Hezekiah when he starts talking to you about God. Sounds like our world today. Verse number thirty two. We're about we're about done with this chapter. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own. Or verse number 33, sorry. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and the Arpad, 
where are the gods of Seraphim and Hena and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that they have delivered their country out of mine hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of mine hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household of Shebna the scribe, Joel the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of of Rabshakeh. So, the speech of Rabshakeh um, is an effort to dissuade the people from following God because they know what Hezekiah is going to do. So we're going to go into chapter 19, and it really gets good in chapter 19. We, uh, we, we get into some, some, some good stuff. I, we're going to probably have two or three more lessons on Hezekiah. Uh, because we're going to get to the end of Hezekiah's life or midway through it and we're going to learn some lessons about prayer. But let me bring you up to speed and we'll close out for the, for the night. So, the land is divided and Hezekiah wants unity. He wants national unity again and he knows the only way to do so is through God and through a worship of God and God's people. And the devil's doing everything he can to fight that. So what we're, we're going to continue in this next time for Wednesday night. And when we do, you're going to see how God gives victory to his people for being faithful. Okay? Good night. God bless. I love each of you.